You are listening to Innovate at Open, stories from the cutting edge of technology innovation rooted in open source software and collaborative processes. I'm your host, Gordon Half. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Innovate at Open podcast. What I have today is a podcast I recorded last week at DevConf. US with Mike Purcell and Nathaniel McCollum. In that podcast, we talked about the nature of trust and specifically about a new project called NARCS, which is an application deployment system that lets applications run within trusted execution environments. This was particularly timely because today, August 21st, the Linux Foundation announced the intent to form the Confidential Computing Consortium. The basic idea here is that as companies move their workloads to a bunch of different environments, hybrid computing environments, they need protection controls for sensitive IP and workload data, and they're increasingly seeking greater assurances and more transparency of those controls. The challenge is that current approaches in cloud computing address data at rest and in transit, but encrypting data in use is considered the third and possibly most challenging step to providing a fully encrypted life cycle for sensitive data. Let's kick things off by having Mike tell us about trust. Yeah, so when you run any process, when you run any application, uh, any program on a computer, it's an exercise in trust. Um, you are trusting that all the layers below what you've written, assuming you've written it right in the first place, are things you can trust to do what they say they're going to do on the tin, do on the can. So I've got to trust my middleware. I've got to trust um, the firmware. I've got to trust the BIOS. I've got to trust the, the CPU, the hardware, the OS, the hypervisor, the kernel, all the different pieces of the software stack. I've got to trust to do things like not steal my data, not change my data, um, not divert my data to somebody who shouldn't be seeing it. So that's a lot of pieces. You know, if, you're, if you're looking at a standard stack, there's sort of 10, 12 pieces. And just think about all the different libraries you're using, all the different parts of the kernel, all those different bits, and how can you trust that? And that's a real difficulty. It's the reason that people don't run really sensitive workloads or keep really sensitive data on the public cloud generally. Do you really want to put your really sensitive data, your really sensitive algorithms, programs on a public service provider, a cloud service provider, where they could look at it? Or even, um, you know, if you've got uh, sysadmins, how much do you trust all of your sysadmins? Because a sysadmin, if they have root, can look at anything on any of your systems, even your internal systems. Do you want your CEO's payroll data to be in there? What about legal data about, peop- uh, about companies you're acquiring? So all of these things are real, really difficult, and they're something that really concerns a lot of people in the enterprise, um, in government, throughout, throughout the world. And so we wanted to, to look at this and it just turns out there's a, some new set of technologies, hardware technologies, uh, coming out right now called trusted execution environments. And they are chipset, CPU chipset um, technologies, which basically allow you to run programs, applications, in such a way that even the hypervisor, even root, even the kernel can't look into what you're doing. That's great. 
fantastic. And you know, the published information from AMD, from Intel, uh, from uh, from IBM, all the stuff coming out. But they're all different. They all handle the problem in a different way. So we at Red Hat um, started thinking about this and came up with some ideas. And we decided that we wanted to make it easier for you to use these things. That sounds really interesting. And we're going to get into a little bit more about what this means, but what we have to trust, what we don't need to trust any longer. But Nathaniel, could you walk our listeners through in a little more detail how this whole thing works. Sure. Um, So one of the things that we are concerned about is that a lot of our existing technologies uh, require you essentially to write your application to the technology. It should be no surprise to the listeners here that uh, Red Hat is very much against lock-in, and so we want it to be possible for you to write your applications using the standard APIs that you already use and the languages that you already use with the frameworks that you already use, and to be able to deploy these applications inside really any hardware technology possible. And uh, this is really the goal of the NRX project. So one of the things we realized early on was that uh, there's a new technology called WebAssembly, which is being used in browsers all around the world. Um, so r- literally uh, every single browser supports WebAssembly, and uh, it's, it's being looked to very uh, much as a sort of future to JavaScript. But the thing that's really interesting about WebAssembly to us is that uh, the capabilities that WebAssembly can deliver in conjunction with the WebAssembly system API is almost exactly the same uh, set of functions that you can actually do inside these uh, hardware environments. It also means that you get to write an application in your own language with your own tooling, and uh, you can compile it to WebAssembly, and then uh, NRX will aid you in securely delivering that all the way uh, into uh, a cloud provider uh, and to be able to execute uh, that remotely. So the way that we do this is we, we take your application as input, uh, we perform an attestation process uh, with the remote hardware, so we validate that the remote hardware is in fact the hardware that it claims to be uh, using cryptographic techniques, and the end result of that is not only an a, uh, increased level of trust in the hardware that we're speaking to, uh, it's also a session key which we can then use to deliver encrypted code and data into this environment uh, that we have just asked for cryptographic attestation on. So the end result is that you get to write your own application the way you want to write it. You get to deploy it in NRX uh, where you see fit, and you don't have to depend on, uh, you don't have to make your application depend upon specific hardware technologies. In the show notes, I'm going to link to some information about this project, but could you take us through fairly a fairly high level how this works? Basically, the way it works is that once we've completed our attestation, we now have a session key that we uh, pr- that uh, proves cryptographically that we are talking to uh, our uh, uh, our remote party. Uh, we can do so in a, in a way that is encrypted using all of our standard cryptographic technologies, and we deliver the WebAssembly code that you have produced as part of your application uh, directly to our secure execution environment on the remote host. At that point, uh, it is then just in time compiled for the actual CPU that you are going to run on, and then everything will be executing uh, in in that environment uh, on the native processor. We're also going to take care uh, to enforce 
additional security measures. For example, uh, that if you persist any data, uh, you'll be able to, at some point, uh, we don't currently implement this, but um, at some point you'll be able to uh, read and write to a file system, but the host will only see encrypted block devices. Um, uh, the same thing is going to happen for networking. So we're not going to allow unencrypted networking, but we will allow you uh, to do uh, you know, to do TLS, for example, to communicate out. So the end result is you just get to write your application, and then when you deploy it uh, in this way, uh, you have uh, very strong assurances uh, that uh, there's a whole class of attacks against your application that won't be able to get off the ground. So what we're doing is we're basically, I remember, I remember I talked at the beginning about how you've all got all of these layers you need to trust. We're removing the need for you to trust most of those layers because the only things you need to trust are the chip vendor and the uh, firmware they've provided which is all cryptograph- cryptographically signed, so you can check that, the NARCS code and the application you've written yourself. And, of course, the NARCS code is going to be open. It's one of the uh, kind of weird things about security in that in order to be really confidential and to be closed to anyone else, you need to do your actual implementation and your coding and your design in the open. So... It's generally accepted these days that open source provides for better security overall. And we at Red Hat, of course, want everything to be open source. So Enox is completely open, will always be open. You know, we're using um, open source technologies uh, all over the place, and we're using Rust as the main language. Uh, it's very well regarded for, uh, for security uh, and for knowledge of what happens when things go wrong. If you have faults in, uh, in your application, you know what's going to happen. It's not just going to start spilling data all over the place that could be used by a malicious host to work out what you're doing, for instance. So we're developing in the open so that you can do stuff in a closed way with your sensitive data, which you should control, data and algorithms. I think one of the things that we've seen over the last number of years, and you being in security, Michael and, uh, and Nathaniel, is that I think so many people came to open source or looked at open source from the perspective of, oh, you'd never publish the schematics for your alarm system if you're a bank, no matter how good you think your security is, and bring over that analog into the open source world, and for that matter, into the cryptography world. And of course, that doesn't really apply. It's difficult because people assume that that, that will be a good analogy, that you've got your, uh, your schematic of your bank vault and a key. But actually, cryptography is very different from that. Um, you absolutely should never be using a cryptographic algorithm which is not known and open and peer-reviewed. A really good cryptographic algorithm, the only thing that needs to be secret is the keys you're using. And um, they say that any, any fool can create a cryptographic algorithm that they can't break. I've certainly created cryptographic algorithms that I couldn't break, and other people showed me how I'd gone wrong. It's one of the, the sort of things you learn to do as, as your apprenticeship in moving into security is, is, is doing this so you understand how it goes wrong. So uh, cryptography is very much not like that. You need peer review. You need academics. And security is different in some ways to other parts of open source in that there's this well-known dictum that you know, with enough eyes, all bugs are shallow, which is a great dictum, of course. But it's not quite that easy for security because the number of people who have expertise in security means that actually you need to ensure that they're, it's, it's small. 
basically. So you need to ensure that their eyes are being applied. It's not good enough to have lots of unexpert eyes looking at security. You need expert eyes looking at security. And that's one of the reasons that companies like Red Hat, but there are many others, you know, Microsoft these days, Intel, IBM, um, are spending a lot of time getting their security experts looking at uh, cryptography and open source cryptography because it benefits the entire community and the whole ecosystem, what I call the common wealth of you know, what we are as an open source. Just to add to what Mike was saying, this notion that uh, with enough eyes all bugs are shallow, this is actually really predicated on the ratio of eyes to the amount of code. Right, yeah. And so uh, when you are uh, dealing with secure code, one of the things that you want to ensure is that because there are a limited number of eyes, we also need to try to limit the amount of code as much as possible. Uh, this is why a project like Enarchs is all about reducing, reducing the trusted computing base. Uh, we really want there to be a lot less code that you have to trust, uh, which means that we need less eyes to review it to make sure it's secure. Yeah, and we've certainly seen recently at the lowest, at low levels of hardware and the like that you get into these very complex pieces of engineering and it gets harder and harder to predict or to figure out every possible security exploit. To go maybe a little bit far afield as we may wind this down, Again, coming back to trust, what are some of the other areas in this sort of low level of the software stack in terms of trusted execution environments, in terms of firmware, in terms perhaps of CPUs themselves, where work is being done or you think that there are possibilities to increase the security? Let me start with one, which is TPMs. TPMs have been around for quite a long time, and people have not been using them. Partly because within the open source world, there was a great concern, oh, 10, 15 years ago now, I guess in the, in the early 2000s, uh, that they were going to be used for DRM. Uh, and you know, DRM has long been anathema to uh, you know, much of the open source community. So they never got taken up hugely um, within Linux uh, and the open source community. There's a new version of uh, TPM 2.0, TPM, uh, which is much improved, and people are beginning to realize that actually there's great benefit in using them. The thing about a TPM is it's a, a hardware root of trust. It's really good for that. If you need to be building up levels of trust, because you can't do everything in NRX yet, um, there are times you need to build up trust, and it's a very good building block for those sorts of things. So that's one example. Nathaniel, have you got some others? Um, there's been a variety of technologies, uh, even besides the TPM. Uh, unfortunately, none of them have really gone uh, very well. Most of them have been hard to use. They've been hard to enable in the system. And they've been driven by a lot of concerns like DRM, concern, yeah. concerns that really don't put the, uh, the user first. And this is why one of the key principles of the NRX project is to make sure that we, we always put the, the user first. I think for years now we've understood about encrypting data at rest when it's stored encrypting data in transport when it's going over the network. We're now moving into a world where we need to encrypt data and algorithms in process. That's what TEs are for, and that's what Enox aims to make it easy for you to do as a developer. Thank you for listening to this episode of Innovate at Open. For future episodes, subscribe to Innovate at Open on your favorite podcast app. You could also go bitmason, B-I-T-M-A-S-O-N, 
www.blogspot.com for show notes, blogs, and a full archive of episodes and more. Thank you for listening. This is Gordon Half, Technology Evangelist at Red Hat. 